Hello, so today I am talking about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I just happened to, well, I decided to rewatch the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was in the mood for that because I was just wanting something fun, but I didn't have to, you know, it's something I can just relax into. And I've been going through a couple of sitcoms, you know, when I want to wind down. So I needed a new one. <laughs> And it has been quite some time since I saw, I mean, it's been some years since I've watched The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So I'm just re-watching it. And I'm on season two right now, but I just happened to notice some things, <laughs> some issues with season one that I've felt compelled to speak on. Hello, my name is Tamika. And whether you stumbled upon Junkie for a Story or are here by intention, thank you for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed this video. And if so, please give it a like and subscribe by the end. And don't forget to hit the bell for notifications so you won't miss out whenever I release new videos. And now, on to the video. So, as you can see from the title, you kind of know what we're talking about today, but Basically, we are talking about male toxicity in American TV sitcoms. Now, I am sure there are a ton of examples we can give and point to in TV sitcoms, but we're just talking about Fresh Prince right now. So, <laughs> all right. So, I have two episodes I want to highlight. One is episode 20 which is titled Nice Lady. And this is the one where the butler, Jeffrey, one of his idols <laughs> in the butler world, in the butler industry, I guess, he comes over from London, I believe, to stay with um, Jeffrey and the family. And so Jeffrey is wanting to impress his mentor and make sure that everything is, you know, up to par and to his liking. And so meanwhile, Will, he is trying to make his way to a Ziggy Marley concert in Nevada. So <laughs> that is what's going on in the first few minutes of the episode, right? Will, he's, replicating Ziggy Marley with his <laughs> dreads, right? And so he asked his Aunt Viv if he could borrow the car so he can go to a Ziggy Marley concert. Now, that seems innocuous at first, right? So Aunt Viv, she says, she basically tells him, no, um, you are irresponsible and <laughs> no, we're not going to let you take the car for an out-of-state trip, okay? But then, right after Aunt Vivian tells him no, Uncle Phil walks in, and Aunt Viv is still there in the room, okay? <laughs> I mean, they're in the family room, the living room. She's still in the room, and she just told Will, no, he can't take the car. <laughs> and Will turns around and asks his Uncle Phil the same question. Now, who does that? I don't know. 
I feel like this is disrespectful behavior, but that's just me. I don't know. I mean, because they essentially are his parents. His real mom had brought him over to stay with his aunt and uncle so she can get herself together. So they essentially are his parents, right? And I mean, it just seems obvious that that's disrespectful to ask one parent one thing <laughs> and then literally turn around and ask the next parent the same <laughs> question right after the other one told you no in their presence, you know, like wouldn't you do it behind their back? But the blatant disrespect, I mean, that's what really irked me. <laughs> it was just blatant disrespect. I don't know. So yeah, he asked Phil and they're so accustomed to this behavior in their family that it doesn't even get called out in the episode. It's just <laughs> apparently normal for them to do this type of stuff. So yeah, uh, Phil then tells Will that obviously he can't use the car because he is irresponsible. But then he will offers to prove himself responsible for a week. And if he succeeds, Uncle Phil agrees to let him have the car to go to a Ziggy Marley concert. But again, this disrespect is never addressed. <laughs> I find that odd. I mean, I feel like kids wouldn't do that in anything, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would think you would wait till the other parent left the room, but maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> okay, so then the next one is the episode where, oh my goodness, so at the beginning of the episode, well, let me tell you, it's episode 23, and it's called 72 Hours. So at the beginning of the episode, Carlton and some of his schoolmates are <laughs> uh, destroying the pop song Brick House, okay? They, they are just doing... They are annihilating that song, okay? I don't even know <laughs> how else to say it. It's so ridiculous how they sing that song. So then Will and Jazzy Jeff, they walk in and hear this. And obviously they're cl clowning them about the way they <laughs> sung that song. I mean, you couldn't... It is unrecognizable, the song, when you hear Carlton and his friends sing it. So then... Carlton, you know, he's he's standing up for himself. He, he's proud of the way he sung that song, and he's proud of his blackness, whether it is different from typical blackness. <laughs> and so, again, with the bets. So, Will decides to make him a bet. And he says, I bet you wouldn't last 72 hours in Compton, which is where Jazzy Jeff lives. And Carlton not knowing what he's getting himself into and what he's agreeing to. He agrees to this bet and says he will go stay with Jazzy Jeff at his crib for three days. And so to get them there, obviously they got to make up a story because, you know, his parents is not going to just say, yes, you can go to Compton for three days, okay? <laughs> 
I mean, I don't think anybody's parents would say that unless you lived in Compton, but otherwise, nobody's saying, yes, you can go to Compton for three days. So, <laughs> so obviously, he's got to make up a story. So he's nervous about it. Carlton is nervous, but Will pushes him to lie to his parents to be able to go to Compton. So he, Carlton, approaches his father, Phil, to ask him if he signed some permission slips, right? And he's making up the story. There, there never was anything about a permission slip, but he goes to his father and he says, do you remember the permission slip I gave you that you were supposed to sign? You said you were going to sign it and give it back to me, whatever. And so, you know, Phil, he dismisses it like, no, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but Aunt Viv is sitting on the couch and she's listening to the whole conversation. So Carlton, he keeps going like, I was supposed to visit Mark Twain's house. It's It means a lot to me. It's a very special event, whatever, blah, 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 that he's saying. You know, he's really trying to sell this and make, you know, his father feel guilty for forgetting about this, even though it it's a made-up thing. <laughs> so then, you know, when Phil sees that Vivian is paying attention to what they're saying, then he, he goes along and he thinks knowing what they are talking about. And he says, oh, of course, that one, of course. <laughs> ah, and the lies continue. Okay. But then he he uh, signs the permission slip for Carlton and Will. Meanwhile, Aunt Viv is just sitting there on the couch. And I'm just wondering, is she not allowed to sign permission slips over here? <laughs> It just seems a little weird the way she was just sitting there kind of like almost like an adult child. She was being obedient, like looking to her husband to sign the permission slip. I mean, as if she couldn't do it herself. Like she doesn't have authority to sign a permission slip. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that scene just felt a little interesting is what I said. It was interesting to me. It just, it seems like, now, of course, probably the last time I saw it, I'm thinking it was when it was out. I mean, I don't know, or maybe in the 2000s. I may have watched an episode or something. So I'm noticing these things now as an adult and just with the experience that I have now. So it's, it's just, I'm super keen to this stuff. <laughs> but I just find it interesting now, of course, with the family dynamic. I mean, obviously, Phil is the breadwinner being the judge. And so he provides for his family. So he probably would have predominant authority over his family. But still, because now I know Aunt Viv, she did have some work outside of the house. Like, she was a teacher or a professor at the college. But it didn't seem like she worked consistently. So that's why I found it odd that she wouldn't be the parent to take care of things like permission slips. It just seemed like, <laughs> wouldn't she do that since she's most likely the one at home since he does have this demanding career as a judge. I mean, it just seems like stuff like that she could handle, but they just immediately 
the boys, they knew to just ask Phil. Like, we don't even go to, <laughs> we don't go to bed for that, okay? <laughs> we go to her for the cooking and the cleaning, okay? For the upkeep of the house. That's what we do. But yeah, so I don't know. You tell me what you think of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air after rewatching it. You know, it's it's different when you rewatch it as an adult versus you know someone who's watching it for the first time. You know, if you've watched it growing up and then you rewatch it now, it's so different experiencing <laughs> these stories. I mean, not that they're all sexist. I'm not saying that they're all sexist, but there is some misogynistic undertones and overtones in this. So, <laughs> and I mean, I did see there were some, there's a lot of male producers, writers, directors involved in the show. So that might explain some of the misogyny and not that I'm excusing anything, but I'm just trying to understand it. <laughs> I mean, I, I did see some female writers here and there, but it's heavily influenced by males' perspectives of family. So I can definitely pick up on that based on the family dynamic. I mean, it's not creative at all. <laughs> I mean, women, you know, they tend to be the ones running the household. So, but I guess when you throw in the fact that the man of the household is a judge, then you, you just naturally have to make that shift that he is the only authority in the household. I don't know. But just to even things out and to not be um, too partial in my judgment... <laughs> I will give you a positive example of masculinity because I, I it would have been positive if they showed those situations in the the two episodes that I mentioned and then Phil took the time to correct his son and nephew by saying, you know, Aunt Viv is here, your mom is here, and she can handle it, you know. But it, it it was just how natural it was for them to just ask you know, Uncle Phil their, or their father, whenever it comes to, I mean, they, they, well, Will did ask his aunt at first, but it just, it was real, it was real disrespectful. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, the man of the house should have let them know, like, we don't do that, okay? You don't ask your mom <laughs> if you could do something and then turn around and ask me the same question right in front of her, Okay. <laughs> don't know that that's that's not co-parenting that's conflicting parenting right there <laughs> but a good example a positive example of masculinity right so the positive example of masculinity would be episode 24 it's called just infatuation and that's the episode where r&b singer tevin campbell guest stars and so it's ashley's birthday and they're throwing her a birthday party and Ashley, you know, she's the youngest of the bunch, right? And she hasn't dated. <laughs> I think she's around 12 or something. She's turning 12 at this point. So, you know, her 
father, Phil, is very protective of his baby girl. And even the older siblings and cousin Will is protective of Ashley. And so they're they're all quite, it's bittersweet. They want to see Ashley grow up, but they also kind of want her to remain this little innocent girl with the long curls and the cute smile. You know, they, they want to keep her a certain age for as long as they can. <laughs> but she happens to meet Tevin Campbell through her big sister, Hillary, I believe. Hillary knew the Tevin Campbell's manager or some person in his circle. And so through that connection, Tevin Campbell made a surprise visit to her birthday party. And they're around the same age. So they get to talking and they hit it off naturally. And it's, you know, PG-13 appropriate behavior between the two. But then Tevin Campbell, he asks Ashley out on a date because at this point they're just at their at Ashley's home where the birthday party is but they like had some time alone in the kitchen or somewhere to you know just have a conversation and so you know he sees that he likes her and so he asks her out and then the guys are all in an uproar over this date okay <laughs> and so they want to supervise the date you know they want to show up unannounced and you know have a word with him you know to make sure he's not doing anything inappropriate but Tevin Campbell is on his best behavior and he's being a complete gentleman so there's no need for them to worry but you know and the thing about it in the beginning Phil Uncle Phil he encouraged Carlton and Will to intrude on Ashley's date okay <laughs> so again there's that male toxicity happening wreaking havoc <laughs> in the women's lives okay so he encouraged them to go spy on Ashley and Tevin Campbell and so then they show up and they're Ashley and Tevin they're, they're just sitting at like some pizza places you know just um it, it, it's not a serious situation they're, they're kids okay <laughs> their kids and they're having a kid date okay and so then Carlton he tells Ashley she needs to check her hair or something so she hurries off to the restroom and while she's in there checking herself Will and Carlton they pull up a seat to have a word with Tevin Campbell and then (laughs) when Ashley gets back you know she lets them know like look y'all need to give me some space okay (laughs) And then they realize, you know, the reason why I say this is more positive is because they realize that their behavior was inappropriate and they backed off, you know, and not only did they back off, but they see that Ashley is grown up and she can handle herself and they don't need to step in and chaperone and surveil every minute of her life, okay, (laughs) because that's not healthy either. That's not going to help her when she grows up. I mean, it's not realistic that you're going to always be around. So you got to give them space to grow up, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think in the end, it was full circle the way they showed. The typical response is to be overbearing and overprotective as a father or a big brother or, you know, whatever older male relative in the family. That's a typical response. And then 
by the end of the episode, you see that, okay, they realize their ways. They realize the era of their ways and they're like, you know what? We're doing too much. Let's go home. <laughs> so I really appreciated that episode. But yeah, Fresh Prince. You know, it, it's been so long. I forgot how funny that show was. I mean, although I must say, I... I don't know. Well, he, he's so different these days. <laughs> he is so different from how he presented himself in the 90s, which is expected. I mean, obviously, we're all allowed to evolve and mature and grow. So, you know, I'm not going to hold him to who he was 30 years ago. I mean, that that would be stupid and unrealistic. But still, he's very different these days, okay? <laughs> That's all I will say. But anyway, thank you for watching and listening. I'm going to wrap this up. Let me know your thoughts about Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And if you have any other, you know, of your favorite sitcoms that you notice have this type of male toxicity within the storylines. I mean, I'm sure there are a plethora of examples, but <laughs> let me know what you thought of this one. And... Yeah, like, comment, subscribe if you choose. Thank you again for watching and listening. I hope you're enjoying these episodes I'm delivering. And you know what? I must say, watching Fresh Prince, I really miss the dark skin Aunt Viv. <laughs> like I said, I'm on season two, so I know the light skin one is coming. And not that it's about light skin, dark skin. I'm just saying, just to differentiate. Because there are two different Aunt Vivs, right? <laughs> now, I mean, I liked the light-skinned one. You know, I mean, I still watched the show. It wasn't a situation where I just couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, I still watched the show. But, you know, I preferred the original. The original Aunt Viv. I mean, she's just... She had some spiciness about her, you know? <laughs> Aunt Viv. And, yeah, it was sad when she left because I mean she was on for I think like three seasons or something well I'll find out <laughs> as I continue watching but it's sad they couldn't work that out but anyway I'm gonna get out of here hopefully you like this episode and I will catch you in the next one bye